I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. First, I'd like to thank you all for listening to our Friday shows, which, as you know, we've made that our sports show. And we've gotten a tremendous response, and I want to thank all of you for responding in that manner and also for expressing the fact that you kind of agree sometimes with us, sometimes you disagree, but that's fine. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. And today we're getting closer to that number one player of all time. And as you all know, we're starting from 1960 all the way to the present. However, anyone that was drafted before the year 2012, we are not including them in there. We don't feel they have enough time in the NBA, et cetera. So we're, we're cutting it off there. But for the most part, it's from 1960 to 2020. Today, Gary, I would like to start by saying that I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm one of the players that we talked about last week. And I agree so wholeheartedly that I'm making a swap out. I had... Shaquille O'Neal at number 11. I feel that's a mistake. I feel that Shaquille O'Neal needs to be in the top 10. And I'm going to put him I'm going to put him at number 10. And that would mean that I have to move one player out of my original top 10. You don't have him in your top 10 anyhow. I think this guy will make the top 10 in the next few years. He just doesn't have the uh, the service in and the credentials at this point in his career, to warrant being in the top 10, and that is the great KD, Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant will go to number 11 for me. I think you have him at comparable number. Adam at 12. We had him at 12. So we, yeah. I'm going along with your comments about that. And when I, as I start my top 10 for my list, Gary, when you look at Shaquille's numbers, I mean, <laughs> Now, wait, before you go Shaquille O'Neal, I okay. want to make this statement as well. I think and you probably agree with me, based off talent, Kevin Durant is a top 10 player already. Based off individual talent, he's already a top 10 player. And that's what makes this list so difficult is that there's going to be some players that we don't think are top 10 talent, but we got to put them in because of their credentials. And that's exactly right. That's exactly right, Gary. Kevin Durant, he won two NBA titles. Both times he was an MVP of of the finals. He's been an MVP. Did that in 2014. Rookie of the year. Ten times he's been an All-Star. In the All-Star game, twice he's won the Most Valuable Player Award in the All-Star game. Six times he's been a first-team All-Star. And three times All-NBA, all I should say. And three times second-team All-NBA. Four times he's led the NBA in scoring. Not many people can make that statement. Career scoring average of 25 points a game, shooting 54% from the field, 90% from the free throw line. It should be higher than 25 points. It should be 27. Okay, I may have made a mistake. It may be at 27. It should be around 27. You're right, Gary. It's it's his scoring average is 27 points a game, his career scoring average. But what what amazes me even more, Gary, is that in the playoffs, KD shows up. You know, he's averaging, his playoff scoring average is almost 30 points a game, 29.1 points a game in the playoffs. I had him at number 10 before, but I am making that swap out because 
Look at someone like Shaq. Four times he's led the team to an NBA title. Four times, not twice, four times. 15 times he's been an all-star, not 10 times. 15 times. MVP, only once, but he should have had it more times than that. And in the finals, he's won the MVP award three times. Uh, in a force, one of the most powerful forces in the history of the game. So that's why I'm moving Shaq to number, and plus we like him. I mean, we, we had a great time at his mom's birthday party a few years back. <laughs> he had great pictures. Just a fantastic guy. I love him on TV as well as a commentator and analyst with Sir Charles. Just a great, great individual. And so from that, he's getting some brownie points, excuse the pun on that, and moving into that category. But he deserves to be in the top 10. It's just so hard when you look at the players that are ahead of him. But to me, there's no question that the players that are behind Shaquille O'Neal deserve to be behind Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> so that's Well, <laughs> I agree with you. I actually have Shaq at 10 as well. Oh, okay. Uh, Shaq's one of those interesting players because Shaq really – to me, the biggest difference between Shaquille O'Neal and a guy we mentioned before, Akeem Olajuwon, is just Shaq had a three-year stretch from 99 to 2002 with the Lakers where he was the most dominant force in yeah. basketball. They put two, three guys on It did not matter. But when Shaq was in Orlando, when he weighed less and he was definitely quicker-footed, Akeem Olajuwon took his lunch. Mm-hmm. It was really mm-hmm. ugly. So if it wasn't for those three years – in L.A., where he was the most dominant force in modern-day basketball, probably wouldn't even be in this position. But I agree with you 100%. Everywhere Shaq went, he won. He taught Kobe Bryant how to win, and he taught Dwayne Wade how to win as well because both those guys did not go to the finals before Shaq. And when Shaq got there, they were instantly title contenders. No, I, I agree, Gary. I agree with everything you said. Some people can say, well, if you're going by the numbers, how can you not show more love to the guy you have in the 12th spot, that being Tim Duncan? Yeah, that's what I'm going to ask. Tim Duncan's in my yeah, top Yeah, he 10, was a 15-time so All-Star. Yeah. I'll hold Tim up Duncan on Tim Duncan. 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 And, and it's, right. uh, it's, it's interesting, but we'll talk about him since you do have him in the top 10. I do not have him in yeah. the top 10. But it's not because I don't have a lot of love and respect for what he was able to do. But when you look at the other players, Gary, you look at the numbers, you look at the, the overall numbers, I can make that argument that Tim Duncan deserves to be at 12. So but we'll come back to that when you announce where you're going to have Tim Duncan in your, within your top 10. But I'm glad we're in agreement that Shaq is number 10 on the all-time great, yes. greatest basketball players list. Yes. And, now, let me do my number nine and eight real quick. I don't know if you have anything else you want to no, add. No, I just wanted to make that, that clarification. Once again, I made mistakes or upon listening to your comments i've i've made some adjustments you know kevin garnett i had that all wrong and so uh there's been examples of that you know so we're moving along here you you made some adjustments in yours as well so i think that's good that from a generational perspective we're we're kind of seeing i won't say eye to eye but we are actually appreciating each other's viewpoint now <laughs> now wait now wait i have to correct you i have to correct you i have not made any changes because I did not add Bob Pettit to my list. Bob Pettit is clearly a top 50 player of all time. I did not put him on my list because I refuse to make changes. Oh, I thought you did. I thought you added him on your list. Mm-mm, no. Okay, not a problem. I, no, I, I refuse to make changes. Now, my number nine and my number eight, this has been, to me, this is the hardest two on my list. And I'm going to need help here. So here are the two guys that I have in the nine and eight spot and the – the people who've been watching basketball in the last, I would say, 20 years would be very upset with me. But this is just where I believe that he is at this point 
And I have at my number nine spot, I have LeBron James. Whoa, and at my number whoa, eight spot, wow, I have wow. – I'm going to do both spots because I'm having a hard time here. So I'm going to give you two. And my number eight spot is Walt Chamber. Oh, that brings a tear to my now, eye. Oh. Now, I've been going back and forth on this. And you know what? I'm going to change it right now. So, so here we go. Here's my first change. Okay. I'm going to put Walt at nine. I'm going to put LeBron at eight. And the reason why I'm going with this, and it was very, it was very, very, very difficult because I think Walt Chamberlain gets a bad rap. When he was playing against Bill Russell, he lost a lot to Bill Russell, but he only lost by a combined of nine points in all the game sevens that he played in. I believe it was four. So it's not like Walt just got completely destroyed by Bill Russell. No, that's not the case. But Walt is two and four in the finals. And for being the most dominant player in the history of the game, I think he should have won more. Just point blank, you know, that's just my opinion on it. And LeBron James is the most dominant force of this time period. But, you know, I can break down LeBron James, you know, all day long. Well, we can come back to that. Give me some reason. I won't even be speaking about those two players because I have them in in the next segment. So we're way off here. That's that's no surprise. Let me me tell you. It's no surprise that you have losers. Well, I see. see, uh, It goes beyond. It goes beyond just how many. You're going by uh, how many titles you would have won, Gary. And I know this. I'm going to make a very unfair statement, but I'm going to make this statement. You know, if that were the case, Trout would never have an MVP award. So. Yeah, I know different. it's different. It's, I said different. that wasn't a fair. That's different. Could Barry Bonds? Could Barry Bonds have seven MVPs and no we're championships? We're opening up a can and of, people say he's the best baseball player ever. We're opening up, ever. A, we're opening up a can of worms here. <laughs> that's that's the, that, that's the discussion for another day. And I know that's not a fair. But, so let me let me make my comments about Wilt though. For Wilt Chamberlain, and and this is the generational thing, Gary. When I was a youngster and and just playing basketball outside and with your uncle Marvin and just just shooting around or whatever. Yeah, there was nothing like Wilt. Yeah, and you look at his past, and you hear these scoring averages: thirty-seven point six, thirty-eight point four, fifty points a game average, forty-four point eight, thirty-six point nine, thirty-eight point. I mean, these guys. None of the players we ever talked about ever would even come close to this. None of the players. And he did it for about 10 years in which he was just doing that every single night, averaging more rebounds than anybody. Nobody in the history of the game has averaged more rebounds than Will Chamberlain. And so when you look at what he's done from a scoring perspective, he left the NBA. He was the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, all-time leading scoring average in the NBA, finally retirement. So from every perspective, Will Chamberlain stood toe-to-toe with this other guy, who we'll talk about later, as the greatest basketball player, period. Not even a discussion. Not even something that people will talk about. Because he had just done so many phenomenal things. Now, his team, his team, yeah. his team, that's another story. But, you know, we talked about Allen Iverson having a bunch of, you know, I, we want to be overly critical. But let's put it this way. Not a real lot of all-stars. Yeah, that would be an exception for one year. But for the most part, he was playing against playing with people who weren't that talented. Chamberlain had the same disease, unfortunately. He was not playing with guys who were – Wally Jones is a good, solid player, but he wasn't playing with guys who were going to be battling for a spot on their all-star team. You know, so he had to literally, literally carry the team. And also, they had to change the rules because of Wilts. 
and his defensive play. They don't have it down here. They don't have block shots. But let me tell you, he had a whole lot of block shots. So I won't go any further on Wilt because I'll be talking about him. But from so many perspectives, Gary, even one year, he averaged nine assists a game. Yeah, so we'll come back to him. He led the league in assists one year, and that's at his height. I don't think anyone who's seven one seven two has ever come close to leading the NBA in, in assists. So he's done that as well as all the re- re- rebounding titles. He won the rebounding title 11 times. No one's even come close to doing that. So all of the things, when you look at it from a statistical perspective, does he have the rings? Did he get the rings? No, he got two, which is admirable. But when you look at it from any other perspective, no one dominated the game. And I say this, that during that time, there was no more prolific score, no one that people feared more. He just could not defeat a guy by the name of Bill Russell in the Celtics. He, it, that was, now, that was very unfor- unfortunate for, for him. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me add something, because while you were talking, because this is why I was having this hard argument with myself. Wilt Chamberlain has 72 records. <laughs> okay. okay. We can go down the list. Most consecutive season leading the league in scoring, seven. Okay. Most games with 50 or more points consecutively, no one even comes close. Okay. Most 40-point games in a season 63 i I get it i get it but let's not sit up here and say that wilt did not have a great team with jerry west and elgin Baylor. he with the lakers and they did not get it done done the new york knicks i'm a knicks fan the knicks should not have any rings but those laker teams they were a lot in new york knicks they should have won championship and that would have happened here's the thing garrett but the lakers did I guess the first big three that I could think of when they had Jerry West and they had yeah. Elgin Baylor and they had Will Chamberlain. Arguably at the time, they won 30 straight Jerry, games. That's right. And Jerry West was probably 27, one, something like that. Was yeah. the, or the second to another guy uh, who we mentioned, I'll be mentioning later, most prolific guard sh- scores. And you had Elgin Baylor and et cetera. But Will Chamberlain was in the tail end of his career. He was a shell of himself when he played for the Celtics, I mean, for the Lakers during that time. And what he also did, Gary, I mean, his scoring average went down to 20 points a game. He was, he was human. He was averaging 14 points a game one year, 13 points. I mean, that that's – he was in the twilight of his career. And so when you look at it from, from that perspective, you, you'll see a guy that's very, very average. He played 82 games, played 43 minutes, and averaged 13 points a game in his last year. That's not – we shouldn't even be talking about him if that's the case. The year before that with the Lakers, he only averaged 14.8 points a game. Even the year before that, he only averaged 20 points. So the, the game was different, and he decided to be a role player. He decided to sacrifice his game and just get 20 rebounds a game, which averaged about that every year. And that was it. And, then, and he decided to do something most centers didn't do. He just passed the ball. And that's you know, the average well before assist every game. So you can't look at that, Will Chamberlain. You have to look at because they were trying to meld together. Everyone wanted to kind of accommodate the other, and they just didn't know how to do it right. It didn't work out that well, and I'm not sure if it's the coach's fault, whether that was the Celtics' fault, or whether or not. But it just didn't come together. Just like when when Sean Payton and and uh, and the mailman went over to the Lakers, and everyone said, "Oh boy, these guys are going to be invincible." When Gary, Gary Payton, I'm sorry. When Gary Payton, and, Gary Payton. And, and the mailman went over to the Lakers and they said, oh, boy, along with this guy, they're going to be invincible. No, they just couldn't mesh together. It just did not work. And so when you have people who are prolific scorers and all of them are phenomenal scorers, someone had to sacrifice their game. 
almost like Bosch had to do with the with the Heat. He didn't score his twenty something points a game because he couldn't. You know, he, he had to sacrifice his game. They all did that Miami Heat Heat team to a certain degree, but it just didn't work for the Lakers. So that's not a good criticism because well, it was an experiment that went well, bad. <laughs> well, let me explain why I'm saying that. Because Wilt Chamberlain, you know, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but Wilt Chamberlain was the best of those three players. Even at that point in his career, Wilt was better than, definitely he was better than Elgin Baylor at that point in his career. The game should have been through Wilt Chamberlain, and they didn't do that. That goes on the coach, and it also goes on the leader of that team, Jerry West. It goes on both those guys for not getting Wilt more involved in the game. And I get it. Wilt Chamberlain, based off the numbers, should be top five. If this was an individual contest, Wilt Chamberlain would be in the top top two. But could you make this assumption, and I may be wrong on this, that Wilt did get worse because his you know he got older, but also the centers in the NBA got better. Yes, the centers got better, but also Wilt was just getting older, Gary. And and unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Wilt's entire career, he played almost every minute of every game. And that, that takes a toll on you. He, you know, the game's only 48 minutes long. In 1961-62, he averaged 48.5 minutes. I don't know how they did that. Obviously, they incorporated overtime. He did not leave the game in 62. In 63, he played 47.6 minutes. 46, you know, players, they don't do that anymore. And the thing is, it made his career shorter than it could have been, quite frankly. And so it took his toll. By the time he got into the, the 70s, I mean, he started in the 50s. By the time he got into the early 70s, he just, um, you know, he was a lot slower, not as quick. And, yes, players were able to jump better. They were more athletic, and they were able to not allow him to just do his finger dip or whatever he called it. And uh, it became more challenging for him, no question. But it became more challenging for all of them because they were all aging at that time. Elgin Baylor was in the twilight of his career. So it was just a situation where you had, you know, two two guys who were like on their last leg, literally, and Jerry West out there, and and it just didn't. Gail Goodrich is a was a great player too. It just didn't meld together. So, and Gail Goodrich was still Gail Goodrich was yes yeah, at that time. Him and Jerry were, West were they both were. playing at a very but the high ball, level. You're right. Maybe the ball should have gone to, gone to Wilt more. But many times, upon looking at those games, you'll see that the ball went to Wilt, and they all cut off of him. And he will just dished it off, and they got easy shots. So he he really was the consummate team player during those years, and the fact that he was getting twenty something rebounds that was a major contribution for the team that we don't see now. You know, you don't see anyone getting 20, 20 rebounds. But I said before, well, guys don't miss well shooting percentage wise. We we can analyze that. I'm not, I'm not sure if that would be the case, but I think that one thing is one thing is lower. different, Gary. And this is what you have to. And I'm going to give you credit for that. But it's, the difference is back in the day you shot more free throws. And so because there are more free throws taken back in the day that they changed a rule, I can't think of what year they changed it, where if you fouled someone, you just had to take the ball out on the side. Back in the day, if you fouled someone to the foul line, you got at least one shot. Today, it's, it's a little different. So but I, why do I say that? Because the more times you take free throws, you know, the more possible rebounds you can get. And if you're a big guy, you're going to be on the inside. So you're going to get some rebounds that just come to you because there's more free throws taken. 
I hear your point, but it was more because of the, the way in which they did rebounds. But still, 20 rebounds, 20 rebounds, 20 rebounds. That, that's, you know, that's one year you average almost 30 rebounds. And here's my last thing that I want to say on Wilt real quick. Because I know you mentioned this too, that they changed the rules for Wilt. I want to make this clear that a lot of the players, the rules were changed <laughs> for. Shaq, Shaq, the rules were yeah. changed for Shaq. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> no, just... so, so as we go through this list, a lot of these guys, they did change the league for. And then my number eight. No, we'll, else you want I'll to talk say about Will next Wilt. week because I, I have him in the top five. Okay, so let me go into my number eight for a reason why I have LeBron James at number eight. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. Now, LeBron James, I look at LeBron just like I look at Walt Chamberlain. LeBron is going to be, well, in my opinion, he will surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as an all-time leading scorer. And if that happens, he will obviously be, have to be top five on my list. He will be top ten in assists when his career is over. If that happens, he moves up on my list. And he will be very high on the rebounding list as well because he's the first player to score 30,000 points, have 8,000 assists, and 8,000 rebounds, which is phenomenal. But when you go through his resume, to me, it's not that spectacular. Obviously, we know he's gone to eight straight NBA finals. And if you look at all those appearances in the conference, in the Eastern Conference, all the teams he was playing against, their best players, none of them were top ten players. And you can go through this right now because this is more modern. Mm -hmm. so, you know, I know it really well. But the Toronto Raptors had DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is not a top ten player in the NBA when he was playing him. He just wasn't. The Atlanta Hawks, when they won 60 games, they had four all-stars on that team. And I'll name them for you. And just let me know if any of those guys are legit all-stars, okay? Jeff Teague, Kyle Korver. <laughs> okay. Al Horford. No, you're, okay? I, you made your case. And Paul Millsap. <laughs> that was the team that LeBron played against that he swept, okay? That's not really that impressive. They beat the Boston Celtics without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward. So Jason Tatum was in his – I believe he was a rookie. And J Jalen Brown was in his second year. Not that impressive. Then they beat the, the Celtics again earlier with a five foot nine guard, Isaiah Thomas. Not that impressive. The only two, in my opinion, that were impressive were the Indiana Pacers when they had Paul George and David West and Roy Hibbert. But even that team, you know, I believe Paul George at that time was a top 10 player in the NBA, and he probably still is a top 10 player now. But Paul George was on the same level as Dwayne Wade during that time. So LeBron was clearly better than all those players. 
So getting to the finals eight straight times, it is an accomplishment because it has to do with, you know, being able to play and being on the court all those times. But it's not that impressive when you look at it because all those teams, they weren't even close to those teams that LeBron James had. A lot of those teams, their best player was as good as mm. LeBron's second best player. So that's not even really great to me. So when I look at the finals appearances, you know, we all know them. In 2007, when he went to the finals against the Spurs, that was impressive just getting there because his second best player was Larry Huge, and we know Larry Huge, he wasn't that great of a player. But just like I gave credit to Allen Iverson for winning against the greatest playoff team ever in that Laker team, that 2000-2001 Laker team, I was disappointed that LeBron James only averaged about 22 points a game in that finals. He should have been able to win one game mm-hmm. in that finals, in my opinion. I get it. It was in his fourth year, but it was an but Allen Iverson, you know, he was in his fifth year when he got to the finals against against the Lakers. So that did bother me. Then we know about the Dallas Mavericks where he didn't get it done. And Dirk Nowitzki won his only championship. I'm not gonna get into that because Skip Bayless, you know, they talk about it all the time. I don't want to touch on that anymore. And then we look at his biggest accomplishment in twenty sixteen, which is why I have him ahead of Wilt Chamberlain. That finals appearance in 2016 coming back from a 3-1 deficit is just absolutely incredible. And that game five, you know, I'll never forget it, uh, that game where Kyrie and LeBron both scored 40 points, which is the first time that two teammates have ever scored 40 points in a game, which is just absolutely um, in a playoff game. astonishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in a playoff game. Finals well, games, okay. In a finals game. Mm-hmm. In a finals game. But then, you, you know, you say, wow, that's just incredible. And then you look at the year before, I'm sorry, two years before, where his team loses to the Spurs by a record-setting margin, and they get swept off the floor. That's not good. Then you look at 2017, the same team, and this goes back to show how great Kevin Durant is, is in that finals, I believe LeBron averaged a triple-double, which is obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it's never been done before. But Kevin Durant in that series averaged 35-8-5, mm-hmm. which is incredible. But I believe LeBron averaged 38 during that series. But to me, that calf team should have won more than one game. Because if you look at the top players throughout that series, Kevin Durant and LeBron, to me, they washed uh-huh. each other out. Steph Curry and Kyrie washed each other out. And Kevin Love washed Klay Thompson washed each other out. So it was really Draymond Green and Tristan Thompson. Draymond Green, you know, you know that I'm not a huge fan of Draymond Green. So to me, they should have won at least one more game. It should have been a at least a six-game series, it didn't happen. I think LeBron, when his career is over, will be a top three, top four player when his career is over. Now I have him at eight. I think he needs to win one more championship for me to put him above the other two guys mm-hmm. I have on my list. But okay. I have now, I right have now. him higher. I do have him in the top top five, but I share your sentiment about LeBron James in, in many respects, Gary. So I will talk about him next week. I think he's a, you have him a little low, but once again, you have him as the greatest player who is currently playing and i i think i think that i He's think the best that we, player we of agree the on that yeah. and um we'll see um how far he goes in the future because i think that he has many years left to his nba career i have him in the top five so we'll uh, i'll expand upon that next week i'll give you so we have a little mystery here but i hear what you're saying don't forget to subscribe